This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Two men were talking one day, one from North America, one from South America. And they were discussing the reason the northern continent seemed to have exceeded the southern continent in development. And the man from South America said that it was his opinion that the reason the northern continent had exceeded the southern continent is those who first came to South America came looking for gold, whereas those who came to North America came looking for God. Today we're going to talk about what time is it in America. And I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that very challenging subject, what time is it in America? I'm Billy Lambert. I'm the regular speaker on Getting to Know Your Bible. And if you're watching for the very first time, we want to welcome you. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. And I want to emphasize the fact that this course is free in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how you can receive the course. We'd like to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In Proverbs, the 14th chapter, in verse 34, it was Solomon who penned, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The first English settlers who came to America arrived on the Mayflower, 1620. They were looking for freedom, religious freedom. They'd been under the yoke of British rule, and when they came to America, they came with faith in God and faith in the Bible. In the year of 1776, we obtained our independence from British rule. And through all of those years, from the very beginning of this country's existence, God and His Word have been revered. We have been one nation under God. We have on our currency the expression, In God We Trust. It was George Washington, the first president of our country, who said, 
It is impossible to rightly govern the people without God and the Bible. Most of us that are watching television right now, watching this telecast right now, likely grew up in one of the most wonderful times in American history. It was a time when God was respected, the Bible was loved and, and read. We grew up in a time when Sunday was a very special day. It was the Lord's Day. And there were even laws that would cause businessmen to keep their places of business closed on Sunday. And in comparison to the condition that's in our, that exists in our nation right now, it was a time of high moral, ethical, and spiritual values. It was a time when a man's word was his bond. It was a time when no one considered uh, looking, locking their doors at night. They had no alarm systems. It was a time when children played outside. They entertained themselves. They made up games to play. They flew kites, they rode bikes, they ate watermelon under a tree and caught lightning bugs and put them in a jar. Every farm or every ranch was self-contained. It was just a small community. And they supplied everything they needed. We grew gardens, we milked cows, we cut firewood, we uh, wore hand-me-down clothes or handmade clothes. We killed our own meat, put it in a smokehouse out behind the house. We seldom went to town or to a grocery store. And when harvest time came in the community, neighbors pitched in and they helped neighbors. And then along came the Industrial Revolution. And life was going to be changed in America forever. Families began to move to town. Now who was minding the children. Children were no longer taught to work as they were on the farm. And eventually, technology became the babysitter for the children. Now, somebody says, Brother Lambert, you're talking about the good old days. I remember those kind of days. Well, you know, that was then. What about now? Where are we now? What time is it in America? I suggest to you that it is a time of darkness, a time of deep moral and spiritual darkness. The kind of darkness Paul referred to in the sixth chapter of Ephesians when he said, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, that is, the schemes of the devil. And then he said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And you and I are struggling with that darkness today. We live in a land of Bibles today, but we are a people who are biblically illiterate. I suppose the words of Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 might describe us today, where the Lord said through that prophet, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The standard of right and or wrong has all bit but been eliminated. The battle cry now is there are actually no absolutes. Really? Are you absolutely sure about that? If you are, there is one absolute, 
and you just stated it. You know, the darkness is greater now than ever. 1 John 5, 19 tells us that the whole world lies in wickedness or darkness. And I ask, why is there so much moral and spiritual darkness today? Well, Jesus said in the third chapter of, of John's Gospel, verses 18 and 19, that men shun the light and they, like, they, they love the darkness because their deeds are evil. You see, God is the source of all light. As a matter of fact, 1 John 1, 5 says God is light. And James 1, 17 says he is the father of lights. And the farther you get away from the light, the deeper the darkness. It is a time of darkness, moral darkness, spiritual darkness, because I drift from God. It is a time of disgrace, degradation, and depravity. Isaiah was trying to describe the condition of the people in his time. It's almost an apt description, a description of the world today. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, uh, children that are corruptors, a seed of evildoers, that have gone away backward, that have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. Then he asked the question, why will you, will you be stricken anymore? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint from the, from the crown of the head to the soles of their feet. There's no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. You see, the, the, the way that Isaiah described the, God's people in that day is that he saw them as one great big putrefying sore, one great big moral ulcer. Cancel culture wants to tell us today what we are to think, what we are to say, what we're to read, what we're to wear, and what we are to do. That's not new, because in Joshua 2 and verse 10, there arose a generation that knew not God. And Joshua chapter 1, 21 and verse 25 says, Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Sin is being uh, heralded today or paraded today under the banner of Pride Month. But the Bible says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. There is a no-work movement that is gaining steam today because people are now being paid not to work. But the Bible teaches that if a man will not work, neither should that man eat. So it is a time of disgrace, a time of decline. People today lie and when they lie, they know they're telling a lie. And they know that other people know they're telling a lie, but it doesn't bother them at all. The bare fact, the fact of the matter is in Revelation 21 and verse 8, we're told that all liars, all liars, will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. When asked to define a woman, one judge said she did not know. But God knows. Because according to Genesis 1, 26 to 28, he made male and female in his image. Such sins as homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, and such like have Satan grinning from ear to ear, that is, if he has ears, and pornography is a plague that has spread faster than COVID-19. The critical race theory 
is calculated to undermine the home by destroying our most precious resource, and that is our children. Society is becoming accustomed to the dark. In Ephesians 5, we're told not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But men are hardening today. But through the deceitful nature of sin, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. I think some are likely described in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 3. They've made their faces harder than a rock. It has become politically incorrect to denounce sin lest you upset someone. We need men who stand in pulpits throughout this land with the courage of Jeremiah, Isaiah, John the Baptist, and the like. Isaiah 58 and 1 says, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions in the house of Jacob their sin. We're living in a day when there is no room for the compromise of that which is right. What time is it in America? It is a time of despondency, stress, and emptiness. COVID has left behind a trail of tears, fears, and empty pews in churches. Anxiety and fear are in the wake of two years of reports and news cycles concerning COVID. Don't you really think don't you really think that it's high time to start putting our trust in the God of the universe? As Solomon put it in the third chapter of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What time is it in America? It is a time of drunkenness in America. The practice of using any form of alcoholic beverage is in full bloom. I think about Proverbs 30, verse 6. Give strong drink unto him who is ready to perish. Drugs such as marijuana and fentanyl are ruining, even taking the lives of some of our finest youth. Marijuana has been thought to be a very harmless thing. But folks, it's a gateway drug, and it leads to the use of more dangerous drugs than was first thought. What time is it in America? It is a time of death and slaughter. Uh, abortion has taken the lives of over 60 million babies in America. And folks, that's enough to repopulate a number of the states in the, in, up in the northeast north Part, northeastern part of the United States. Life is worthless in the eyes of some people. And their hearts have been hardened because of sin, and they have no regard for human life. That, that reminds me of something you read about in the Old Testament, and that was the passing of children through the fire to the god Molech. A baby would be taken by its parents and placed into the outstretched arms of the false god Molech. It would be a statue with outstretched arms. And drums would be beaten to drown out the cries of the babies as they were being burned alive to this false god. 
And I, I've often thought that, that the loud rhetoric of those who scream, it is my body, do so to justify abortion. Do that because they're trying to drown out the cries of the babies and to drown out the, the, their, their own conscience. How are we going to answer one of these days when we stand before God in the judgment for this wholesale slaughter of innocent life? A father came into the delivery room and his newborn was crying. And the father said softly, it's okay. And the baby quieted down. And then the baby started crying again and the father said, it's going to be okay. And the baby quieted down again. The father left the room, and when he came back into the room, the baby was crying again. And the father got down close to the baby and said, I love you. And then the baby opened its eyes. What time is it in America? It is a time of desertion. The Bible has been deserted. Amos 8 and 11 talked about it a time of famine in the land. There was a famine of the hearing of the words of God. There was not a, a, a shortage of people that were willing to listen to God. God just wasn't speaking to them. Today, God speaks through the Bible, but there's a shortage of people that are willing to listen. Not only has the Bible been deserted in our land, worship has been deserted. It is said now that less than 40% of the American people attend any place of worship on any given weekend. The church has been deserted. In the Lord's church, in the churches of Christ, many are smaller today than they were five years ago. And that's the case in almost every church that exists in our nation. God has been deserted. In Jeremiah, the second chapter, there the, there the Bible says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Well, God said, but my people have forgotten me days without number. Yes, it is a time of desertion in our nation. But what can we do to save our country? Can we find our way back home? You know, the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Our God is a God who holds out hope. One of the most familiar and yet sometimes often misused passages in the Old Testament is Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 where the prophet said that, that uh, I know the plans that I have for you. And he was talking about his people coming back out of captivity, uh, captivity after having been there for 70 years and how he was going to bless them. He held out hope for his people and God would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah if there were ten righteous souls that have, could have been found. What is the hope of America? Listen to Solomon again. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We can save this nation by living lives of righteousness. Now, I would suggest that there are three things that we must do if we would be righteous people. Number one, we must have a desire to be righteous. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, but they shall be filled. How hungry are you to live a righteous life, a good life? To be righteous simply means just to do right.
to do right by your neighbor, to do right by your family, do right by God. Secondly, if we would be righteous, we must uh, be willing to, to seek righteousness. Uh, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, if you seek the righteousness of God, what are you seeking? Well, Psalms 119, verse 172 says, All your commandments are righteousness. You see, we've got to get back to the Bible if we're going to be a righteous people in this country. We started out with God in the Bible in this nation. If we are to survive, we've got to get back to our roots. We've got to get back to God and to the Bible. And then thirdly, if we're going to be a righteous nation, we must love it. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9 says, You've hated iniquity, but you've loved righteousness. It's largely a waste of time to try to get a person to do right that has no desire to do right. But we, I think there are a lot of good people in this land. There are people from one end of this country to the other, from border to border, north to the south to the east to the west, who want to do right. And so long as we have people in this land who are willing to do right, to try to live a good life, I believe God will spare this land. You know, Solomon, uh, rather, in Second Chronicles 7, chapter and verse 14, after Solomon had built the temple of God, God said, But if my people which are called by, name, for, by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then while I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I'll heal the land. Our land can be healed. And it is time that we turn our attention back to God. And God will bless this country. We must need to learn to be an humble people. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to be a people who seek God. And we need to be a people who are willing to admit it when we do that which is wrong. If we do that, God will bless America. God bless America, we say. But we need to have those words more so than a token or as a motto. And we need to have that sentiment on our hearts. And we need to ask God to bless us individually. And He will. He's a God of hope. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of love. And may God help us to be the kind of people that want to serve Him with all of our hearts. You need to make your home a Christian home. Make your life, a, uh, live the life of a Christian. And live the Christian life. And by, by, to be a Christian, you must believe on Jesus, repent of your sins, Confess your faith in Christ and be baptized into Christ that, that He will forgive your sins and wash your sins away. When we do that, God is going to bless your life. You see, it is the case that in order to enjoy the blessings of God, we have to meet God's conditions. He will never bless us unless we meet the conditions that He has laid out in His Word. I think one of the greatest things that we need to do so that God will bless us is to become a nation where we love one another more than any other thing. 
I, I think of the words of the late Daniel Webster. He said, so long as we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, we will go on prospering. But, but if we neglect its truths and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and our posterity and bury us in obscurity. I believe he's exactly right. So long as this nation abides by the principles of taught in the Bible, when we have respect for God, have respect for his word, that God will bless America. As God's people today, this is no time to be silent. And we need to do everything that we can to spread the message about the Bible and God, Jesus, salvation from sin throughout the whole wide world. A better nation begins where? A better nation begins when I meet God at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Have you met him there yet? That's where we began to come back as a nation. What time is it in America? It is high time that we awake out of sleep and we realize that those things to which we uh, held dear in times past are the same things that will cause this nation to come back from the state in which we find it today. I believe in America, but my citizenship is really in heaven, and I would encourage you to have your citizenship there as well. But I believe in America, where I preach and where I have preached in days gone by, we always would have a time, on, for example, on July the 4th and at other times during the year where we would have the Pledge of Allegiance. I wanted our young people to believe in the flag. I want them to be proud to be an American and to stand for those things that made America a great nation in days gone by. Can we be great again? Yes, indeed, we can. May God help us to be worthy of the inscription on our currency, where it is said, in God we trust. And that it needs to be not only on our currency, but it needs to be in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this land. May God help us. May God help us. And may God bless America. I, I want to thank you for watching Getting to the, Know Your Bible today. I know this has been a little different type of lesson than I normally deliver. But I have it on my heart. I, they, these are things that I, I say out of love because I love this nation and I want this nation to be a better nation. I want my children, my grandchildren, and my children's children to grow up to, in a land where is, they have freedom to worship God and freedom to respect and, and, and believe the Bible. If you're not a Christian today, I encourage you to become one. And, and Christian nations really are, are we, we speak of America being a Christian nation. The name Christian belongs to an individual, not to a nation. And I would urge you to be one today. Come up, become a Christian by believing in Christ 
and giving your life to Him today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, is my prayer. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214.